Welcome to the Bromley Buzz, and we're with Gareth Bacon, MP for Orpington. Again, third time or thereabouts, I think. I think you're right. I think the last time we were in here was over a year ago. Yes, it was. I mean, there's there's been a couple of other occasions. Mm. Um, I think uh, you came to Orpington Football Club, and I think uh, we had a chat there as well. Um, I'm trying to think the other ones are, but yes, it's at least least three times. The Methodist Church? Yes, we did. I think it was a... It was the Health and Wellbeing Cafe. Uh, and indeed, um, you're very popular with me in particular, simply because you coined the phrase relentlessly positive about us. Mm. Which well, you is are. literally the nicest mm. thing anyone has said. Well, I mean, let's be honest, um, yeah, it's, it's very easy to be cynical about the world, isn't it? And, um, and there's loads of that about. And so you are almost unique in uh, looking for relentlessly positive things about the borough. And there is so much in the borough that is good, that having a, a podcast that focuses on that is something that um, I've, I've got a lot of time for. Um, because it's very easy to see the grey in things and, and forget to see the bright and you're trying to find the bright um, which is why I'm happy to talk to you so often yeah uh, and, and we're not here to trap anybody which is lovely yes um, uh, and we don't really do politics even though we're speaking to your good self as a political representative for Orpington um, we just spoke to Peter Fortune and he mm. mentioned Yulees which is a little bit political yes uh, and, um, <laughs> a, what's that say on that table behind the scene? Orpington says no to you, Les. Yes, yeah. indeed it, it does. It looks like a, the, the top of a placard or something. Yeah, that, that came from... We had There have been two protests in Orpington Town Centre about you, Les. Um, and that was from the first one. And that uh, both of them have been down by the War Memorial. And the first one we had farmers. Because people forget, of course, that we have working farms in this mm. constituency. And uh, many of them came down with their tractors and various other agricultural uh, vehicles. And drove them round and round the uh, the roundabout, round the War Memorial, and got national coverage. And um, there were lots of those signs around, and um, and I managed to, to get hold of one, and, and that's a souvenir. Which um, I spent a lot of time on that campaign, um, which is not over. What people think about the judicial review, it's not finished yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll keep pushing that. But yes, that's um, I haven't found a home for it yet, so it just sort of sits on my conference table at the moment. Mm. Well, it was uh, a wry moment to see it there. Interesting you mentioned the farms though. Mm. One of the many to-do list things we have is Sade Farm, I think mm. it's called, which is a, a Jewish-run mm. uh, institution yes. in the, on the borders of Bromley. Mm. Uh, and another one, which I just loved actually, is a strawberry picking up at the road by the M25 oh, yes. on that farm yes, at the top there. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if it's still picking now. But... Well, it's a great thing about this constituency because it's so close to London, I mean central London, um, people who've never been here assume that it is just another London suburb and of course it isn't because within what a 15 minute drive from here you'll find yourself in rolling fields um, and I always when I was a, an assembly member and I was pushing back against the mayor of London about some of his sort of centrally London focused policies that he was expanding to the whole of Greater London New is a good example of that and I would challenge him about the country lanes farmers fields hedgerows fields with herds of deer in them that are in my constituency. Um, some of the videos that I've done about ULES, for example, I've done specifically in places like um, Pratt's Bottom and Cuddam Village to highlight mm. the absurdity of what is a central London policy coming out to Kent country villages. Um, and this is all part of the same constituency. So the fact that we have operational farms here is a surprise to some people, but not to people that live here, um, because the constituency is very, very um, diverse in terms of what's in it. Um, and uh, that's one of the great things about representing it because there's so much variety in it. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. 
There's quite a bit of Orpington that you have, as it were, uh, reaches down into that green area, doesn't it? Oh yeah, a large part. So I mean, the, the, the boundary of the constituency goes all the way from the Crays right up to Biggin Hill. Um, so you get a little bit of Westrum in there. Um, you've got Down Villages in there, Cuddam, as I've already mentioned, Pratt's Bottom. So it's, it's, it's quite a, so, so where we are now, it's sort of, um, I suppose, built up suburbia, you would call it, lots of family housing. But it literally stretches out to country pubs, country lanes, um, country cottages, um, and farms. Um, so it's, it's all in the same constituency, which is, makes it so interesting. I know we've re-identified what the constituency is, and I would refer listeners to the earlier hour-long, more or less, uh, interview we did before, mm. um, because it set out what Gareth does in Parliament, what an MP does, mm. be it on background, that kind of thing. The human stuff, the stuff you don't hear in the soundbites. Um, your slogan, which I see on the sign outside, is yes. working hard for Orpington. Mm. And what hard work have you been doing lately, Gareth? Well, I mean, my, my average working week, um, certainly when Parliament is sitting, is normally around about 70 hours. Um, a lot of that will be in Westminster. Um, so doing the things that every other MP will be doing, which is lots and lots of meetings, lots of time in the chamber, scrutinising legislation, sitting on committees, uh, meeting people in between. Uh, but then Fridays are always constituency focused. I'll always be here. I'll start in, in this room in, in my office and then I'll go out to either bring stakeholders in here or I'll go to them. So today, as an example, um, I had a, a meeting with one of my staff this morning. Um, I met with uh, Bromley Healthcare. That was an online meeting. Um, and seeing you and then after you, I'm going to visit the police in Bromley Police Station um, because Bromley have got a new superintendent who's just been appointed. Uh, I've not met him yet, so um, that, that's the, the meet and greet meeting there, which will then become a, at least a quarterly thing, I would think. Uh, then I'm coming back because South Eastern Trains uh, representatives are coming to see me. Um, then I've got a meeting with London Councils after that. Um, and then this evening, um, we've got a, there's a, a local fundraiser, which I'll be attending. So it's a long old day. Um, I've been in the office today since about half past six this morning, so it's, it's a long one. Yes, and uh, you didn't mention you did an airport drop off earlier on, yeah. so you had a yes. ridiculously early I did, start. yes. My, my, uh, I took my daughter to Gatwick Airport this morning, so I got out of bed at half past three. Um, <laughs> so by the time I get into bed again this evening at about probably 11, it's going to have been a long day. Yeah, you're looking <laughs> remarkably awake. Yes, well, that's coffee so for you. <laughs> Before we actually started chatting, you spoke about some young people coming mm. into the office. Tell us a little bit about this, because that's really exciting. Yeah, so we get um, quite a lot of requests for um, work experience um, from various people, because work experience season tends to be uh, at the end of the summer term mm. for, for, the, uh, for the pupils. Uh, and normally they're right quite early, so we, we tend to get requests come in around about Christmas time, normally, every year. And during COVID, of course, we couldn't accept any mm. because um, I couldn't even have my staff working in Westminster, much less take work experience um, people. But um, I've been quite determined to try and do the best I can since then. So this year we've had probably a dozen. I think the last six weeks of, of the parliamentary session, I had two in the office per week um, for a week. Um, different two each week, of course, they do one week of work experience. Mm -hmm. And so they'll all be typically 17 years old. Um, I prioritise local constituents, um, so they need to live in the borough. Um, and we get a lot of lot of kids from uh, particularly St Olav's um, okay. right in, uh, a couple from Newstead as well. And we'll do everything we can to accommodate them. So we've, we've kind of got a, a structure now for what they do when they come in for the week. So they'll start on, on the Monday morning one of my staff will give them a, a tour of the parliamentary estate 
Um, because the parliamentary estate, obviously, particularly the Palace of Westminster, is very impressive. And if you're mm-hmm. 17 years old, the odds are you've never been there before. Um, and so we'll take them all the way through all the best bits of it. So they'll start in Westminster Hall and they'll look at all the plaques on the floor where the Queen lay in state and, and various others. Um, at the moment, there's a, the Speaker's Coach, which is a big gold Victorian coach, is sitting in there in a glass cabinet. Because um, that was, I think, used for the coronation or at least wheeled out for the coronation. Um, and then they'll go down St Stephen's Corridor through Central Lobby and they'll get, get to go into both Houses of Parliament, get onto the, onto the floor. Um, typically starting in the Commons, because the Commons is quite impressive. I think most of them are quite surprised by how small it is, because they'll have only ever seen it on television when it's full of... Normally yeah. people see, see uh, Prime Minister's Question Time and think well, that's what it's like all the time, people just shouting at each other. And it's not <laughs> Very really. different. But it looks much bigger on television than it is in real life. Um, and so they'll see that and then they go down the corridor uh, to the other side to see the House of Lords and while the Commons looks nice the Lords is absolutely magnificent um, it, and the difference as well of course is that the Commons is relatively new because it got blown to bits during World War Two, had a direct hit and was rebuilt to the same dimensions um, but uh, is, is different so mm. what's, what's in there dates back to I think the late 40s or early 50s but in the Lords that was completely undisturbed so the Lords is centuries old um, and wow. deeply, deeply impressive. Um, so even though most of the power now is with the elected chamber rather than the upper chamber, the upper chamber is significantly nicer than the lower chamber. So they'll start with that and then they'll have a combination of, depending on what's going on in Parliament that week, um, they might sit in on uh, a select committee or in one case we, we had um, what's known as the liaison committee and that is made up of the chairs of all of the select committees. Mm-hmm. Um, they will question the Prime Minister. and. Two of my work experience um, people managed to get in to witness that so they saw uh, the prime minister at close quarters taking questions from the chairs and they, they, they were yeah mm. they were very impressed by that and then they'll do a combination of stuff in my office with my staff uh, looking at how we do casework um, what constituent engagements i might have etc and always um, they can't get as much time with me as i would like to be able to give them but they'll always get at least an hour uh, where we'll just sit in my office and chat and they can ask me whatever they like um, and uh, that normally goes quite well. And on occasions, they might have particular uh, politicians that they're very keen to meet. Um, and if I can do that, then I will do that. Mm-hmm. So we had one person in one time, his, his political hero was Theresa May. So I managed to uh, get him to meet Theresa May and, and the other chat that we had in with him as well. And um, afterwards, because she was very good to give her time. And I thanked her afterwards. And she said, well, do you know, she said, he told me I was very cool. I don't get that very often. <laughs> so she was quite pleased to do it as well, which was quite nice. Um, so we're trying to arrange things like that. So we try to make it as good a week for them yeah. as we can. Uh, we get them always to write um, a briefing as well. So this is one of the exercises we get them to do, okay. is that they can pick whatever they want. So anything they're interested in. And the idea is that they're writing a briefing for me. So they'll research it, they'll look at the House of Commons um, library papers or other things mm-hmm. as well, and they'll write a briefing, which will normally be about two or three pages. Uh, and I read them all. And some of them are really very good, I have to be honest. Um, some of them have been quite impressive because we're talking about people who are 17 and 18. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they are pretty good because they're, they're arguing their cases properly. They're not just repeating sound bites. They're thinking about what, they, what they're saying. And uh, it's, it's quite impressive to read sometimes. Wow, sounds amazing. I think a trip for us down there would be lovely. Uh, you'd be very welcome any time. You wouldn't have to write me a brief if you didn't want to. But you could... <laughs> I was building up a sweat then. <laughs> we, we, we could certainly do a talk. Well, that would actually... be fantastic because that's one of my sort of to-do list dreams mm. that would be to go in and have mm. a tour of that. Um, speaking of the students, what has been 
the uh, a feedback from one of those students that have come in here that has really kind of given you that goosebump or that wow or have they left anything special that they've said to you? Um, some of them have. I mean, I, I think the, the, the big thing for them, a lot of the time is they are seeing politicians for the first time as real people mm. rather than sort of caricatures on television, which is what they have grown up being used to. So uh, even the more informed uh, young people about, they don't know any actual politicians. And then when you see them walking around the Palace of Westminster or Portcullis House or one of the other parliamentary buildings, and you suddenly see someone that you've only ever seen on television before and you think, gosh, that's a real person. Um, you know, most, most people's reaction to Rishi Sunak when they first meet him, for example, if they meet him in person, not just see him in a room, most people are struck by how nice he is. Um, and the second thing they're struck by is how small he is. Because uh, he, he's, he's not a very tall man. Okay. Um, I mean, unfortunately for him, there was quite a comic um, photograph <laughs> taken recently of him standing next to the tallest MP in Parliament is a man called Daniel Kaczynski, who's six foot nine. And Rishi's wow. about five foot five. And in this particular photograph, it almost looks like it's been photoshopped because you think you can't possibly be that small <laughs> next to this guy. Um, and the truth is, it's Rishi's quite small and, and Daniel is very, very tall. Um, and so putting them next to each other in that way um, produced you know, a certain amount of comment on social media, I think it's fair to say. Um, so seeing people as people uh, politicians as people, I think, has probably been the biggest takeaway for most of these uh, most of these kids. Um, and I think I've had some very nice messages back from them, mm. uh, which is is very welcome as well, uh, because what we hope to achieve is that they they get an insight uh, yeah. and that they uh, get something from the week. And uh, a lot of them, it seems, that that's exactly the case. Fantastic! What a lovely thing. Mm. I think a lot of um, students would benefit from something like mm. this. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many other MPs do it. I mean, MPs do it in different mm. ways as well. Um, but we can't really take more than two a week. So unfortunately, a lot of people who ask, they're too late, already full yeah. up. Um, so if anyone's listening and you want to do work experience, email Start me now. soon. <laughs> uh, talking of young people as well, um, I remember you telling me before you we went to the Orchids and Children's Business Fair mm. and came away with rather a large number of souvenirs. I did. Uh, yes. And uh, I think you went this time as well as did yep. Zina, I think, or had in mind at least. Um, mm. We were. So how did that go? Very well. Uh, this time it was outside. It was in the arcade outside the Walnuts rather than in the... Uh, last year it was in the centre in one of the disused shops. Uh, this time it was outside like a real market, so under, under um, canvas. And it was really impressive. I mean, it, I'm always blown away by this because most of the children there are primary school children. Um, and they've, they've got some really good ideas about stuff, things that they've made mostly. Um, in some cases, it's, it's other things. So last year I bought a great big plant um, from the, the plant store, which is in my office in Westminster and thriving. Um, and this year, almost out of tradition, I went and bought another plant, um, which is a great big thing. I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, and I got nowhere to put it. <laughs> my, my shelf in Westminster already has two plants on it. There's no space for it there. So at the moment, it's sort of squatting in my house, uh, looking for somewhere to be not somewhere to be stored. So I'd have to think about that. But yeah, it was it was very good, and it was as impressive as it always is. Uh, I really like things like this. But apparently, they do them in various parts of, of London. Uh, and I met uh, I, I can't remember the chap's name, but there's a, there's a guy who, who basically runs it all over the place. You may have already met him. Oh, I've forgotten his name. Yes, I yes. see his face. Yeah, exactly. I've got his face in my head, yeah. and I've completely forgotten his name, which is embarrassing. But it's it's such a worthwhile thing to do because it's teaching these children very important skills because they, they they think about what might sell, they think about how they're going to sell it, they think about uh, how they might market it. A lot of these kids have set up websites 
uh, one girl who's, who's slightly older than most of them, I think she's about 14 or 15, apparently last year made about £8,000 uh, from profit from, from the things that she was making and selling. And she's making, uh, sort of, it's like cuddly toys that she makes herself. Oh, that would be maybe the crochet girl? Yes, mm. quite possibly. And uh, I bought something from there as well. I bought a little, um, my daughter's very keen on, she wants to have a turtle for some reason. And we've got a complete menagerie at home. We've got two dogs. We've got a tortoise already. She's got five goldfish. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's no space to put these things. But she now wants a turtle. So I got her a knitted turtle um, to uh, as a substitute for a real turtle, which I'm sure at some stage she'll just buy for herself, um, and which she quite likes. So that was quite good. See that? Have you got your key ring on you? I do, yes. Yeah. I do have my key ring. I can dig there into is my pocket. To this. Oh. It's not the right one? No, it's uh, not the right one. Oh, it <laughs> fell off. Look. I need off. to stitch it back on. You can see uh, the little thing. It was a bee, a crocheted bee. Oh, uh, that she'd made, yeah. Uh, yes. Mm. Yes, I saw those as well. That she'd made, yes, sorry. <laughs> and it was everything from tiny little things like key rings to great big things like this. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're, they're awesome. Um, you'll have seen the post toppers that appear on Court Road in Hawkington mm. and one or two other places. So the crochet um, things on the, the, oh, the, on the post boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's coronation ones yeah. and there's been other ones with things on there. Fantastic. We put them on our Instagram quite yeah. often. I think they're really good. I mean, I, I don't know who's doing those, uh, but whenever I see them, I think, gosh, I'm taking a load of time to do that. Yeah. In um, West Wickham at uh, Causa, mm. do, you, do you know Causa? It's a cafe place on West Wickham High Street. They tend to have these little sort of groups that come in. There's, and mm. I was there one day um, for about a week because I was dog sitting yeah. and um, the ladies would come in with their knitting mm. and they'd sit there, have a cup of coffee and knit away and chat away. And they were actually knitting things for post box toppers. But this is the kind of thing. Lovely. It is lovely. And you know, when we were talking about earlier about you being relentlessly positive, this is the kind of thing that is really good. People are doing that to try to improve their local environment. And what's bad about that? That's that's just excellent. The fact that people are bothered enough to do that. So it's a good communal communal thing, but there's also a benefit to other people. Yeah. And I, I've got loads of time for stuff like that. And, sorry, no, I was just saying that and all those kind of things bring people together, oh. bring the community together. Um, you, know, you know, as you know, I'm very passionate about the mental health and well-being side of things. So wh wherever you can help people who may be feeling a bit lonely, <clears throat> 100%. bringing them together, it's just it's such a great spirit. Yeah, it is. And uh, with, with a, you know, a community benefit as well, which is just, you can't beat that. No, absolutely not. And actually talking about mental health and well-being, the Baton of Hope. Mm. I know I sent you an email you and it was a little bit too late, but yes, yeah. I took part in the Baton of Hope, which you were supporting as well. Tell us a little bit about this, how it came, because I had no idea till right sort of towards the end. Well, it's, it's somebody that I knew from inside the Conservative Party, um, one of the, the London party, voluntary board um, mm. of the party, uh, is very involved in that and got in touch with me, Andrea Craig, her name is, uh, and she got in touch with me to see if I'd be prepared to be one of their sponsors. Um, or at least uh, patrons, I think is probably a better mm -hmm. word. Uh, so sort of uh, public supporter. Because um, she's identified that as, as and it is uh, a key problem. It is one of the things that people don't like to yeah. talk about. And um, so I was very happy to endorse that and, and start talking about it in public. And I was very sorry that um, I was unaware that you were doing your thing <laughs> until after you'd done it. Otherwise, I would have come along to support you. But, I mean, fair play to you for doing it. Because these, these things like that are subjects that people don't like to talk about no absolutely and if you don't talk about stuff if you can't identify a problem you're never going to solve it mm -hmm. and this is the thing i mean baton of hope is all about 
literally that. It's about giving people hope and, and trying to take away the despair that they must be feeling to contemplate things like suicide. Um, and, you know, I, again, what is there not to like about people who want to do something about something so terrible? Mm. So, um, yes, I was very happy to, to be a supporter of that. And I would have been a supporter of you if I'd, if I'd known in time. Well, you still are. So it, it was so lovely to um, know that you were part of, you know, the patron part of the Baton of Hope because mm. it means something very close to my heart as mm. well. And uh, it, it was an incredible day. Yeah. And uh, they're going to be, I think it's going to happen next year as well. Okay. There's a massive conference in 2024 in March around that time. So mm. in Sheffield. So, yes. Well, if, there's an, if there's another event next year, let me know. And, yeah. I'll... and speaking of um, suicide, um, the Let's Talk Better campaign that Darren and I mm. um, have founded, we've done, that's going to be our third event now. Correct. And um, one of the themes that we're looking at, because it's going to be themed The Last Taboo, and one of them is going to be suicide. Mm. So that's one of the main topics. The yeah. last event was on loneliness and connection. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, suicide is one of those things that... Uh, it, I've never been in a situation where I would contemplate suicide uh, and so I, I struggle to understand the despair that someone must be in to have that in their head and the trouble is that suicide is it, it can be a it's a very permanent solution to what might actually be a temporary problem mm -hmm. and I think the key thing especially about talking about it is, is trying to persuade people that might be uh, contemplating this that there might be solutions mm -hmm. available to them because every suicide is an absolute tragedy Absolutely. And, you know, you have to ask the question of what could have been done before this person decided to do this. And um, if there's things that could have been done, then it's even more of a tragedy. And so talking about it and trying to, I suppose, anticipate people who might be at risk of it yeah. and trying to do what can be done to head it off, uh, I think is important. Because the misery that someone must be feeling to get to that point uh, must be just appalling mm -hmm. uh, and if that's been missed by everybody then that's 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 terrible and and that's the thing i think with most things when we think about it we want to buzz this up in a minute but mm -hmm. um it's about education at the end of the day isn't mm -hmm. it so even uh, the family members around being able to notice what's going on yeah. and speak about how to approach it because i think a lot of people may notice something mm -hmm. but they don't know how to how to deal with it how to deal with someone who might be going through something like that yeah. You know, well, I was going course. to ask as well on, on a yes. related point. Uh, you know the old phrase, all human life goes here. Mm. I suspect your post bag or your email bag, as if you call it that, mm. may have that aspect to it. Mm. So what's coming in at the minute, good and bad? Uh, there's still a lot of ULIS stuff coming in, um, which has <laughs> yeah. been, that's been the case now probably since, uh, I think probably since the mayor decided he was going to do so just before Christmas of last year. There's been a lot of that that's been coming in. Um, other than that, it's gone relatively quiet because it's um, it's recess. So I, I have noticed in in my time in Parliament that there are peaks and troughs in terms of what comes in, depending on whether Parliament is sitting or not. Uh, so it does tend to go. I mean, that's partly because recesses are designed around time where people normally have holidays, so Christmas, Easter, summer. So when we go on to recess, things do tend to sort of quiet down a wee bit. Uh, so there's, uh, I mean, we've had a lot of pothole stuff, uh, as as you can imagine. Um, calm, Darren, yes, calm. I know one of them. Yes, there are there are reasons for that, and there's a reason why I mentioned it as well. Um, but there's, you know, there's there'll be a variety of things in any given week. Uh, it, it might, there's not normally a theme. Sometimes there are. So when we had the um, planning application for Orpington Town Centre, 
that was another very big issue we had I had over a thousand people contact me about that uh, which is is very high uh, so so there'll be certain mm-hmm. things that will focus minds and then you'll, you'll get a consistent theme other than that it will be um, individual things that matter to people uh, rather than things that are impacting on people collectively uh, just out of curiosity have you ever had something in your post bag that's been out of like just different and you've kind of laughed about it that it's not been on a serious thing that you think really or something that's made giggled giving you a little bit of a giggle um (laughs) a giggle um let me guess you've probably had a few things saying that some people would like to leave you several million pounds from an investment bank in another country not so much actually because uh, <laughs> uh, those kind of things I used to get those uh, and they seem to have dried up um, maybe because I, I don't know I just don't respond to them there was, there was a website called Scam the Scammers uh, where people would email back uh, saying uh, I, I'll do that if you do this or send me a photo of you doing this or the other and it might be something absolutely ridiculous dress up like a chicken or something like that <laughs> and this person would then be posting them on the website right. so basically outing the people that are looking to scam them um, so you get some that are sort of a bit left field, I, I would say. Uh, but nothing that's been... I was trying to think of anything that would be, as you've just described it, amusing in that way. Not in that way, but uh, do you know what I mean? In a, and I can't at the moment. <laughs> I'm sure there must be some. Um, I have to think about that. Obviously not that amusing then. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a, a thank you at this point, actually. Because yes. uh, one of the uh, local bodies have introduced us to is mm. West Coon Park Rugby Club. Yes who were happily promoted their men's university uh, mm. in the last season. Uh, the Bromley Buzz itself is now sponsored by Ianwood Property. Mm. Uh, I think you met Ian. Yes. And Terra Firma Landscapes, two local businesses. Uh, and the first of those is also uh, in the process of sponsoring Westcoop. Oh, uh, you will see, because um, I know you're a rugby fan, mm. and, uh, the rugby post adorned with the Inwood property and the Metropole sponsored by it coming up and other things like that are happening as well. It's been a very good uh, introduction to mm. a very good community sports club. Yeah, right? good. I mean, that, that's not a huge surprise to me. I mean, rugby club, I grew up playing rugby and rugby clubs have always been, they're very anchored in their community because they tend to, uh, ironically, Western Park doesn't, but most rugby clubs own their own ground. And they tend to have been there for a very long time. So they, they anchor themselves in their community. And certainly since the days of mini rugby, which sort of started in the mid-1970s, they tend to have lots of kids going there, lots of kids and lots of families. Um, and it's a, they are great places to learn life lessons, rugby clubs, and they tend to try to give back a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, Western Park's ground is owned by the council. They lease it from the council. Um, but they are still a very community-focused rugby club, and they have been in that location for a very long time. So introducing them to you was an obvious one for me really because I knew what kind of organisation they were and um, you're right they've got a very good team sadly for me uh, they, they were in the same division as the club that I used to play for and um, I, I, they played on the first first game of the season um, at SICUP that I used to play at and uh, they, I'm a vice president at SICUP and uh, Western Park popped down and absolutely annihilated them in the first game <laughs> And um, it carried on that way for the rest of the season. Western Park ended up, I think, winning the league and Sick Up got relegated, I'm afraid. So it's going to be at least a couple of years until they play again. Oh, no. I, th- I have a feeling, actually. I went to a couple of games at the end of the season. I think one of them was indeed Sick Cup. Yes, that was the last league game. Yeah, and um, the two games I saw, they both clocked up 60-odd points. Yeah, so I, I wasn't at that last one. I was away. Um, they did invite me, but I, mm. I, I, I was away for it, unfortunately. In a Prime Minister's question-like manner, uh, would you like to list a couple of your local engagements, Mr Bacon? 
Okay. Um, now, the Prime Minister, when asked, when asked this question, will always answer. Uh, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. You can tell I've heard that a few hundred times. Um, my local engagement. So, so uh, this week, as I said, I've, I've already met with Bromley Healthcare. I'm going to go meet the police uh, this afternoon. I'm meeting London councils after that and South Eastern trains to talk about, um, primarily to talk about ticket office closures and how they're impacting on Orpington. But over the weekend, we have um, other things happening uh, in and around the constituency. So we have on the same day, we have Priory Live taking place in uh, Priory Gardens. Um, and up uh, in Petswood, we have Petswood Calling. Um, and it's a shame, actually, that they're both on the same day. I mean, I get to go to both of them. So I, I normally go in the morning to Priory Live and I go to Petswood Calling in the afternoon. Um, but I, I think you, it is probably the case that people that might go to both if they weren't on the same day uh, would do so. Uh, but they've, for historical reasons that I dare not get involved in, uh, they tend to be on the same, uh, it's, it's normally the first weekend of August. Um, and I don't think either of the organisers wants to shift their day so that they happen on the same day. But they're always both really well attended. They are really good occasions. And Private Live and, and Pets Were Calling, the, the, uh, the first time I went to either of those, it's when we were coming out of lockdown, um, uh, you know, finally coming out of lockdown in uh, 2021. And I can remember going to both of them and seeing people sort of all crowded together, just enjoying themselves, mm. something we hadn't seen for at least two years. And it was one of those, it felt like liberation to me. I really enjoyed both of them simply because we had people mixing again, as they should, uh, after something that nobody else had been through in living memory. Um, and it's what brought home to me the fact that we might be through it now. Uh, we're, yeah. we're now back to living normally. People are just out at a music festival, having a good time. Uh, it's very family focused and literally nobody was having a bad time. It was just all good. And um, and I've been going ever since and uh, I really enjoy them. I think they are, they're, again, it, it's all about community and these are just great community events, both of them. And uh, if, if this is going out before them, I encourage your listeners to, uh, to pop along. Exactly wonderful. Yes, yeah. no, that's when the Priory Live in 2021 was when um, I started emceeing there. Yes, I remember. Uh, 21 and 22. This year mm. I'm not, because <laughs> I'm not around, but yes. Well, last year, I can remember yeah. Priory Live, it was burning hot, because I can remember having a beer sitting on one of their picnic tables, feeling the sunburn creeping up the back of my neck. Looking out the window now, I, I'm not as confident that it's going to be that warm no. this year. <laughs> we'll see. Miracles can happen. They can indeed. What a lovely positive note to end on, I think. So, thank you, Gareth Bacon and Peter Orpin. Uh, thank you thank again. You. It's a, a pleasure to see you as always.